How y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. We are part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. I'd like to give a big shout out to our listeners. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, is my co-host, the greatest co-host in the world, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Recovering from vacation and laying in bed doing the podcast with you guys. <laughs> well, I know uh, you sent out a tweet earlier, Mike. I'd like to imagine that you're pretty excited about uh, our about our guest today. Uh, that's my guy, man. I've told a uh, hundred people. There's you, you on the podcast side, Dan on the writing side. There's been no bigger influences for where I am right now than you two. So. This is an awesome podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited as well, Mike. And before we get into it, uh, remind the audience where we can find you out on Twitter. At CD Piglet, guys. Nice and easy. You know it. Hey, guys, I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Well, here we are with episode three of Mike and I's new series, Building the Cowboys. Again, guys, this is a series where we are uh, – building the Cowboys through the 2021 draft. And Mike and I thought it would be cool to have people we interact with on Twitter who are not only Cowboys fans, but also fans of the college football and the NFL draft come on the show and do a mock draft. And today with us is a very special guest, Mr. Dan Rupert. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm recovering from surgery, but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Well, Dan, we appreciate you joining us. And before we get into it, let the people know where they can find you out on Twitter. Yeah, so I am Dan underscore Rupert, R-U-P-P-E-R-T. Yes, sir. And there was a, a couple of rules in the uh, for this mock draft, and one was no tradebacks, and two was we're only going to discuss five total picks. So, Dan, why don't you get us started off? Um, what site did you use to use to uh, for your mock draft? So um, I use the Draft Network. Um, usually when I do it, I kind of like using them. Uh, the best because I find their board unless I set my own board up uh, fairly close to what I like. Um, I also find the the picks tend to be a little more realistic in some ways uh, mm-hmm. for me. So I use the draft network on this one. I'm kind of curious because I imagine you do quite a bit of mock drafts just out of fun and to research and everything. But do you ever use the um, PFN mock mock draft simulator? I do. Um, I like it. There, sometimes I really am like, there'll be a guy sitting there in the fourth round and I'm like, and who put this guy here? Like he's easy. Like a second round guy, like every once in a while that'll pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've used PFN. I've used PFF. Um, I've used, Oh gosh, drop network. I've used, uh, what's that other one that's out there where it like aggregates um, just uh, fan speak. So I've used okay. Yeah, I know uh, one thing, because I, I like to do a lot of mocks myself, and one thing I've noted about, noticed about PFN, it's compared to the Draft Network, their their rankings are, I, I don't want to say off, because I know I would imagine they put in a lot, a lot of hard work over there, and there's some people who do a lot of co- college film study and things like that that work with, work with them, and I'm just kind of surprised that some of the players, like you mentioned, that they have maybe in the fourth round that are second or third round there on the uh, Draft Network. Yeah, I haven't figured out why that happens. Um, but, you know, I, I don't wonder if some of it's positional value. I don't wonder if some of it's, you know, they they just happen to like somebody more. I, I haven't figured it out. But, yeah, sometimes – now, I will say as you get closer to the draft, um, like the week prior, you'll find things will start falling in line or across the, the, the mock draft stuff. 
um, you'll see a little bit closer rankings. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it's sometimes, it, especially early on, it can get crazy on some of the sites. Absolutely, I would agree. And you know, while we're talking about it, Dan, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about your first pick? Yeah, so, you know, I, just so, so you guys also know how I do my mocks, a lot of times I'll run through multiples. Um, and what I'll do is I'll see kind of how it falls and who's there. There's ones, if I see somebody like, Trevor Lawrence falling to 10. I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're restarting this one, right? Because <laughs> that's yeah. not going to happen. And, and that's super unrealistic. And I just can't buy it. So um, this, you know, looking at the, the picks as, as they fell, um, everybody's favorite Kyle Pitts was gone. Um, so I kept rolling and I said, who's the best player on the board? And it was Micah Parsons. So yeah, no. pick is Micah Parsons. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> stop, stop. It's not April Fool's Day. It's not Michael Parsons. Who'd you really pick, Dan? No, you know, Dan, I want to ask you about Michael Parsons. I like that pick as well. Talk to us a little bit about Michael Parsons. Yeah, so, Micah is an off-ball linebacker who's going to add so much to the defense and coverage. Um, he's going to add a lot. In okay, you know what? You're I, a liar. I can't do this. Micah's, Micah looks like he's about to die. No, he is lying. This is coverage. <laughs> This is horseshit. I know you're lying. <laughs> All right. No, it is not Micah Parsons. Although <laughs> I will say Micah was available. Um, Micah was available at 10. Uh, the other name that was sitting there that, you know, people will look at as Jalen Waddle was there. I actually went Patrick Sertain. Uh, I think right now the Cowboys' biggest need and by the way, I love Mike's face the second he heard the name, Mike. Like, it lit up like, I am not. Nope, this is not happening. <laughs> I know you too well. I knew your ass, your ass was not taken, Micah Parsons. I don't care who fell. <laughs> the look on your face, though, was like, I am not hearing this. I refuse to hear this. <laughs> and, then you, and then you backed it up with, so good in coverage. I'm like, oh, hell no. This guy is a liar. <laughs> Yeah, it is not Micah. Um, he was there at 10. I actually went Patrick Sertain. I think right now the Cowboys' biggest need is an outside cornerback. Um, there were a couple drafts that I did where he was gone and Horn was the best guy. I'm fine either way, in all honesty. Uh, the thing with Sertain for me is on tape, his long speed just doesn't, doesn't hold on tape, and I worry about that a little bit. Um, I said it on my my podcast with Mike there that I don't wonder if some of what his success was was the cast around him. So some of the flaws to his game where a quicker wide receiver can get him turned around at times. Um, he doesn't, he'll get lost, especially in certain coverages. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe some of his cast helped him kind of recover and, and you know, be able to do some things. But yeah, I went Micah Parsons. Um, I think he's steady. He's a he's a very safe pick. Not the highest ceiling, I don't think, but he's definitely going to be able to come in, play your outside corner position, um, and give you solid coverage at least year one, um, which is something the Cowboys desperately need right now. That was the best argument I ever heard against Sertan, the one you made. And uh, would you drop the name of that podcast for me, Dan? Oh, yes, it is uh, 4D, uh, 4D podcast. And that would be Dallas, the draft, and Doomsday Defense. 
Um, yes, sir. Yeah, you can you can find us on Twitter as well. But yeah, so so that's that's my only concern when it comes to Sir Kane is how much was his cast versus how much was actually Sir Kane, right? Because we've seen it. We've seen it in the past where you get a guy who had just this incredible cast and you're like, man, he is so good. But what you don't realize is, is how much a safety over the top helped or a, you know, a pass rush helped or, you know, whatever that might be. The other issue I do have with Sertain is, and it's an Alabama issue more than it is a Sertain issue, is he doesn't travel, right? He plays one side of the field. So how he uses the boundary, how he uses his hands, how he, you know, diverts the receiver. I, I wonder how he's going to do if he's asked to travel from side to side. I don't know if he'll be asked that, but it is something to think about. It's a small thing, but I definitely want Sertain. I think he's going to be solid. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, and I think it's something the Cowboys absolutely need. Mike, so what are your thoughts on that pick? And everybody knows I love Sertain. Uh, he's my number one defensive player and uh and i call him the robot that's my nickname for him i just i just think he's a cover three robot uh if i had him if i was doing a universal uh i don't know the defense i'm running i might consider uh uh horn or even newsome who as dan talked about newsome traveled everywhere he played both sides he played in the slot he has no worries about uh if he has to flip his his uh his feet and his hands he could do it on either side but for cover three i just think Sertain's a robot he's the first one i'd take if i'm stuck taking defense if somebody doesn't fall to me you know one of the crazy uh uh suell or pitts Sertain's my guy so i love the pick now then i want to ask you you know you kind of touched on it there in a bit when you were talking about Sertain, but one, do you feel like you at, at pick 10 that Sertain is good value there? And two, did you feel like you were drafting the best player or, you know, it sounded like you, you drafted for need there. So a little bit of both. Um, I, look, I, I personally, personally might go Horn, um, but I think Sertain and Horn are, are within minute points of each other, right? So I think it's a very good value pick. Um, at 10, I think he's right there in that spot. He's right around that, you know, kind of eight to 12 slot at, at the worst, right? Like he is definitely right in that spot. Now, did I go best, best player available? I did not go best player available. Um, so you had Waddle sitting there and, and arguably Waddle is a higher rated player. I just, I have him as a little bit higher rated player. Uh, Darisol was there as well. Um, but they're so close that I don't think – look, I said it on, on our mock. When when teams do an evaluation, it's a three- or four-digit number, right? So it'll be like 9.875 for this guy, right? The next guy might be a 9.80. I think it's close enough where Sertain fit a need. He was there. He may not have been the number one guy on the board, but he is definitely right there in that Right. And, you know, that kind of leads to my next question. You mentioned both these players, Jalen Waddle and J.C. Horn. You know, what about Patrick Sertain? Is it that you you think he help, he does more or, you know, that how how he helps the Cowboys more than maybe a Jalen Waddle or J.C. Horn would? So 
like I said, I personally might go JC Horn, um, but I also understand the Cowboys, where the Cowboys are sitting and what they need. Um, so I think you need more work with Horn um, with some of his, his hands, especially later in the routes. So I think Sertain offers more immediately than Horn does. Um, Waddle, look, everybody wants to talk about wide receiver, wide receiver. I, I wide receiver to me this year is not is not a dire need, right? You you have another year with Gallup, you have Lamb, you have Cooper. You know, I I think you can go a year um, without having to spend a high draft pick on a wide receiver. I, I'm not saying Waddle wouldn't help the team. I just think that the way this team is and who, what the roster is looking like, that it would not really be until 2022 that you would see a true return for Waddle. Um, whereas I think you can get to in, give you a really solid 2021, and he'd still be better in 2022. So at the end of the day, it just came back to immediate impact, year one impact for the team. Right, right. And so, Mike, of, of the three players mentioned, Sertan, Waddle, and J.C. Horn, who would you have taken? The way I have mine set up is I have Trev, Suell, and Pitts as, like, tier one. If one of those – no quarterbacks on my board, but if I was another team, that would be, like, if they're there – one of those three are there, you take them, I don't care. Like, those are the top three. The next tier, which are super graded close, are Chase, Sertan, Waddle, Horn. That's my, that's my next grouping. And if I'm in that situation, I would take Sertan because uh, Dallas needs the cornerback over the wide receiver. And I, I have, I have in the system we're in, I have Sertan a little bit higher than Horn. Although Horn could end up with coaching being the better overall cornerback um, because if he can get coached out of penalties, like he doesn't, he doesn't hold you need to hold a little. I, I actually like guys that hold. If you watch the Patriots, they know in the playoffs that people aren't going to call holds like that. So they tell their guys, put it on them, make them call it. You know, so having a guy like that's not terrible. I, I don't knock him too much for that. I just like Sertan more in the cover three. That, that's why I call him the robot. I just think he, he knows what to do there, and, and I'd put him in. So, yeah, I'm with him. I, I, as much as I'd love to be the guy that says, give me Waddle speed on our offense, uh, even I'm like, if they're that closely graded, go with the cornerback. There, there's a difference between Pitts and Sertan and Pitts and Waddle than there is Waddle and Sertan or Waddle and Horn. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Dan there. I'd have definitely went Sertan. So, Dan, I think it's safe to say that realistically, uh, Sertan is somebody that Dallas would take at the 10th pick, right? I think it's very realistic. Yeah. Mike, would you agree? Almost a guarantee. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that if a Pitts or, or a Suell even dropped, if you watch a Will McClay draft, he likes big schools. He likes big corners. He likes long arms. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Pitts and Sertain was there that they took Sertain anyway. And a lot of us would be like, what you dropped the, the lower player, but, but it's just what they like. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. I definitely think they'd pick him. Well, let's move on to the, uh, to Dan's second pick. And we're looking at Levi. I'm going to butcher this, but it's on Uzuriki interior defensive lineman out of Washington. Dan, talk to us a little bit about him. Yeah. So it, when you watch Levi play, he's not the biggest defensive tackle you could grab. 
Um, but the guy's motor is absolutely relentless. It is something that this defensive line hasn't really had is a guy who, man, it, he moves super well. He, he hits holes well. He's stronger than his weight, would you would think. Mm-hmm. This guy's motor just does not stop, and he is going to do everything he can to get to the guy carrying the ball, whether it's the running back, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's, you know, a tight end on a screen. Like, this guy is just there. Um, I think, you know, I could have probably gone, you know, Davion Nixon was there. That's another uh, defensive tackle. Radoms was there as the offensive tackle. But, uh, man, I, I just – I'm really starting to like Levi. I think he adds a dimension of getting – pushing some pressure in the pocket um, and his agility across the line. I really like Levi's motor, and I think with a little bit of coaching, he's going to be a really solid defensive tackle. And from what I understand, he's pretty solid against the run as well, right? He is. He is. That's, that's what I was saying with, like, his – when you look at his weight versus his, his strength and what he actually does mm-hmm. – um, you know, you wouldn't expect it out of it just to see it. Um, I think he can still add weight. He, I mean, he's 6'3", um, so I think he can still add some weight. But, man, yeah, this guy's his leverage is amazing, and I think that's where he excels is because his leverage is so good that it makes up for some of the size. Absolutely. You mentioned this motor runs hot, it sounds like. So we'd like to, you know, we can only hope that he's going to give 100% on every play more than 70% of the time, hopefully, right? That's the intent, yes. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts on that pick? It would interest me if, if Dallas went that way. It would interest me of what that would be saying about Tristan Hill. Uh, what do you think, Dan? What do you think it would mean? Because uh, I'm assuming, Levi, we're playing him at three technique. Uh, I, I don't know if we would want him with, uh, with, the, with Woods, um, Urban, and Gallimore's ability to move to the one technique. I would think Levi would be the three technique, correct? So the thing I like about Levi is, is you can kind of move him around, right? He can, he, he can play your three technique really well, but I think because of his leverage ability, he can get in and help you with some pressure up the middle as a one technique in certain situations. But I also think he can play a shade five or a five, right? So he's, he's kind of one of those guys that I want to help create mismatches, right? Use him in the spot where I think he's going to be a mismatch for the guy across from him. So yeah, we could say he's going to be a, a three, five kind of guy. Um, but I, I think you could probably, especially if he gains about 10 to 15 pounds, you could probably throw him as your one technique and you're going to get a lot better result than you probably realize. I think the two most complete defensive tackles in this uh, draft are uh, Levi and Aleem McNeil. I think they're two guys that can add pressure or, and, and hold up against the run at either spot, which I like. Um, Aleem McNeil is more of a one technique than uh, Levi is. Levi is a three that can move to one. Aleem McNeil, you kind of would like to leave it a one technique and, and have some pass rush. But I like the pick. I just – I like to know who is there – um, because I, I think if you get Levi, you're kind of uh, uh, starting to push Hill out the door. Not that that's not a thing that they may need to do. Levi's obviously, in my opinion, a much, much, much better prospect 
So um, I want to see who else was available uh, uh, before I before I uh, uh, determine how much I love this pick because I like the player a lot. Levi's a really good uh, DT, especially so, at forty four. Yeah. So um, you had Dylan Raddins, right? So the the offensive tackle of North Dakota State was sitting there. Uh, Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa, was there. Um, Baron Browning, uh, linebacker, was there, and um, I would probably say Ronnie Perkins would be the next guy as that as an edge. So that was kind of the grouping I was looking at, um, and I felt based on what everybody could probably give me right off the bat, um, and, and trying to set myself up for later in the draft, right? Because that's part of it too, right? You're trying to predict how the draft's going to fall a little bit. Um, yeah. So knowing that, you know, the safety wasn't quite there yet. I have some coming up and I probably could pull a linebacker later if I needed to. Uh, and knowing that how much Dallas likes what they currently have, um, that's why I went Levi. I also think Levi's the best player out of all the ones. I really like Baron Browning's potential. I don't believe that I would want to take him at 44. I don't think he gets the 75. So if, if say Levi Onzerike was picked and you got Baron Browning there, I'd be happy with it. I'd be like, okay, they got an athletic linebacker, but they would have overdrafted on him in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I think Levi out of those guys would have been the pick I went with. I just, I just think he's a better player than Dylan Redunce, right? A better prospect. Um, left tackle, I don't want to draft for need. So I'm not going to take the left tackle to do an in case my, my Tyron gets hurt. What if Tyron plays the next four years and misses two games a year? Then I've wasted uh, my 44th pick, you know? So, yeah, I think Levi Anzarike would have been my pick there too. I like it. Yeah, and he definitely was, because I know, I know Paul asked this, he definitely was the highest rated player. So I did go with, uh, best player available um granted it's part of a need but i did go with best player available because i would I, it, let me see if paul agrees would you say as far as need goes do would you have the defensive tackle paul or do you think the left tackle or the linebacker assuming they were all rated the same was would be the bigger need there uh personally i would say I think I would grab a linebacker just for insurance because we know LVE's injury history and we know Jalen's, um, you know, his his performance hasn't really lived up to his second round draft capital. And we, we don't even know if he's going to be on the team, um, you know, past past the season. So I think I, I probably would have gone with Baron Browning personally just, and I think that's because I still believe that Tristan Hill can be a, a good player for us. Gotcha. If, if Levi, if I didn't have Levi draft uh, rated so much higher than Baron Browning, uh, uh, you know, I, I have him, uh, I, I'd say a good like 10 picks higher. I would agree. Baron Browning would be my pick because I think the linebacker is the, the biggest need there. But best player available, I, I think, was Levi. Absolutely. Well, Dan, Dan, do you think this is somebody re that the Cowboys would realistically draft? I do. Um, they love that speedy kind of agile kind of defensive tackle. Um, I know they are still interested in probably beefing it up a little bit. Um, I, again, this is one of those best player available ideas. Um, 
but I would, would I be surprised if they went Browning? Would I, no, I wouldn't. Would, would I be surprised if they reached for like a Javon Holland there? I wouldn't. Uh, but I think Levi is a, is a strong possibility knowing that they are still a little unsure of what they got with Hill, Gallimore, you know, Urban, uh, Woods. I, I think he adds to it and it gives them some flexibility because if Levi can play the three, five kind of idea, that gives you some flexibility with some edge help potentially as well. Mike, what about you? I'm riding the fence on this man. I, I mean, I've just never seen Will McClay take a DT top 50. I've never, Tristan Hill was the earliest he ever took one. So that makes me nervous. And then I know that they, that they have, that they know they have hole at linebacker. Um, I'm not going to say safety. I've, I've told people all this whole time. I go, look, if they go Sertan or Horn, the first one, expect a linebacker edge in the second round. It's just what I think is going to happen. I, I know that they need linebacker going forward because if Jalen has another year, that's an out they can get out of LVE. They haven't picked up his fifth year option. They don't have anybody after that. You know, there's nobody that they can rely on there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went linebacker and then edge, you know, tanks got an opt out after the 2022 season and, and he's making a lot of money. Gregory's never played a full 16 games. Uh, we hope he does. We hope he's a badass. If he is, can you resign him then? Because he's probably going to go make a bunch of money. And then behind him, uh, Anai was the draft pick of the last defensive coordinator, and they never used him. Dorrance Armstrong's on his last year, and, and he doesn't offer you much. I, I really I have a sneaking suspicion that edge is going to be a pick that people are going to be like, wow, we really got an edge? I'm surprised we got an edge top 50. Uh, unless the the the, the uh, specific linebacker is like a higher value, I have a feeling they're going to go linebacker edge. So I I'm not sure if they would do that. They like these type of DTs, but I don't know if Will McClay values it there or if they would rather wait and and get a a, a different uh, guy later on where they value the position like that more. Am no, I crazy I'm... there, Dan? No, no, and, and I think that's partially why I was as I looked at it, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll go Levi because they might see one of the things they love is a guy who can do more than one thing. Right. They, mm -hmm. they love guys who they're like, Hey, he can also play linebacker. He can play edge. He can play, you know? Um, and I think Levi gives them some of that. Uh, I mean, the guy's 290. So if you need him, you know, to potentially kind of like, Hey, I'm going to go to an edge for a minute. Like you can do that. Um, and it helps in run defense. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways they could look at that. But I agree with you. I, I think, you know, edge could be a pick that they pick up. Um, but I also wouldn't discount a guy who can play multiple positions. Agreed. Well, moving on to the, your third pick, Dan, Mr. Uh, Jamar Johnson, safety out of Indiana. Talk to us a little bit about him. Ooh. <laughs> So I have Jamar climbing up boards a little bit. Um, the guy, you want ball, you want some ball skills. I present you Jamar Johnson. Um, he, in an Indiana defense that isn't normally known for, you know, ball production and turnovers, just really good, you know, front seven kind of play. This guy has a nose for the ball. Um, he's going to need some polish. Like, don't get me wrong. But man, he is a physical safety. 
Um, he has no problem getting his nose into the, into the business. Um, he is, he can play special teams for you if you need him to, but man, his ball skills really good. He can play a hybrid. Uh, so, you know, a lot of defenses now kind of go to this hybrid thing, right? Where, you know, it's not really a true four, three or a five, two or a, a single high or, or, you know, cover two, they kind of do this hybrid type thing. And that's why I like Demar Johnson is I think he can play just about any, any role that you want him to play, but he gives you the ball skills that's lacking. Right. And, and that's something that the Cowboys I know are, are desperately in need of. Um, he's certainly part of a, of a cover three system. I, I think that's again, fitting the role, right? Like what we're talking about this defense becoming, um, but he can also play single high. Uh, man, I, I really like him. He's climbing up boards for me, but man, those ball skills is absolutely it, giving me, give me good feelings. <laughs> Mike, I think it's safe to say you're excited about this pick. Oh, I like Jamar Johnson. If, if, man, if you could get him at 75, that would be crazy. He, he brings something that we haven't had at safety since Darren Woodson. He can play man coverage. He, 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 any type of coverage you want him to play. I know he played a lot of split safety in Indiana, which is not what we're going to do here, but I don't think I haven't seen anything about him that says he can't play the deep third if needed. And like, like uh, Dan said, productive, like not just interceptions, but he's a pass breakup guy. He does it in, in any system. He, you, if they wanted to, Say they re-signed uh, uh, a free safety or got a free safety in the draft and they wanted him to be a box guy, could do it. He's 6'1", almost 200 pounds. He's a big dude. Now, he needs work on his tackling. I'm not, I'm, when I say he's a box safety, he's willing. He puts his shoulder in there. He has the size. He is, it's like he's never been taught how to, ca- how to tackle. That, that is his – the only way he gets to 75 is because – teams do to him what happened to Delpit where Delpit really was a top 20 guy that dropped into the second round because he because he missed so many tackles with well, Jamar Johnson's worse like his tackling is poor it, man he is elite covering though like he's he's what people wanted Cisco to be when people talk about Cisco and they're like oh man he can get interceptions and you're like yeah but he kind of gets them like on guessing Jamar Johnson gets his because because he can cover in any way you want him to. So you get a guy in there, Joe Witt, and you teach him how to wrap up and bring down and, hey, you, you got to look at your target and wrap him up. You can't just throw your shoulder in blindly into guys. If you get that, you could end up getting the best safety in the draft at 75, which would be insane. But he has that kind of coverability in all man split zone and i believe he could play single high just fine yeah i I think he could go somewhere in that late second mid third kind of range um you know that to your point he he has some things he has to kind of um fix he's a little stiff at times right like when you watch him he's just a little stiff at times um you know I, i think that he is he's not this absolutely elite like athletic dude but he's definitely above like he's way above average right like but he's not like the elite of the elite right physically um and then the tackling so i think you know when you combine those little bits of things that are all look 
super teachable. Um, I, I think, yeah, he could go somewhere in that late second, kind of early mid third range. Um, yeah, I, I, I love him. I, I think he'd be a great fit. If you've done these two top picks you've had and you're sitting at 75 and it gets to 65 and Jamar Johnson's falling, give somebody one of those late pit, day three picks and just go up. You ain't got to give them 99 or 138. Just give them one in, in the sixth and go up your 10 spots. They can have an extra bullet and go get a safety that you know can cover. Even if you only play him on the third downs in his rookie year, he will be a benefit. Go get him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, he was not the best player on my board at that point. Um, he was close, uh, but the other, you know, the other people that were on that board, you know, you had Tyson Campbell. Well, guess what? I I, I took a corner in the first. I kind of, I can kind of push off. You know, maybe corner help Sean Wade was sitting there the one Paulson Adebo by the way who I love as a potential kind of slot do it all kind of corner um but the one guy that I considered um was Trey Smith I did consider Trey Smith oh. um yeah yeah see and that that was the one that it was really between Jamar and Trey um I went Jamar because I think Jamar's just a little better um, for what the Cowboys absolutely need and production and where he can get to. But, man, Trey Smith was definitely a consideration. Mike, of those guys listed uh, by Dan, who, who would you have gone with? I would have went Jamar Johnson. I'm, I'm with him. Uh, 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 not Trey Smith, and now I'm blanking on the other one you said. Who is the uh, – uh, Adebo and, and Tyson Campbell are probably both ranked above – uh, him, but I mean, you nailed Sertan in the, in the beginning. So, you know, once you, we tell people all the time, best player available, when you get into the second, third round, you know, fourth round, you do have to adjust by, you know, filling holes on your team as well. You can't just, you know, draft four cornerbacks straight because you have four cornerbacks rated the best. It's not going to work that way. You want to nail your first round pick and make sure you do as best as possible, best player available. Then from there, there's some, there's some other things to consider. So I would have gone Jamar Johnson. I like Trey Smith, but I just think that there's a, a lot. We, we have pretty, if we do, if we do well in the draft, we get a left tackle and, and I like the guy we brought in. I think he's better than uh, uh, Cam Irving. Knight is a better guard. Like he, he was fine when he was healthy. He did great at tackle. He was actually pretty solid when healthy, but he's actually, a, he'd be a better guard. Connor McGovern guard in there. Uh, they likely bring back Joe Looney who plays guard. So, you know, they, they have enough in there to where, yeah, I would have went Jamar Johnson personally. Well, Dan, we've seen Dallas pass on safeties the last, I believe at least two seasons. Is, is this somebody you think they might realistically take this year? I do. Um, you know, and when you look at the deal that they gave KZ, there's some question to me on his health, right? It was a really cheap deal. And you have to wonder why it was such a cheap deal and why he agreed to a cheaper deal. And I believe that there are some medical potential concerns. You know, you could, I guess, move Lewis, which has been talked about to safety, but then you got a little bit of a growing pain of waiting for him to kind of get that roll down. 
Um, and I think Johnson kind of fits a, a unique spot that the Cowboys haven't had that I don't think any of the guys on the roster currently, even with KZ, um, really do, to Mike's point, right? He's, he's great in coverage. Um, so I, I do believe, you know, if he's sitting there, that, yeah, I, I think they can pull the trigger. Mike, what do you think? I actually agree, and and I know – under Will McClay, we've never drafted a safety before the sixth round, but I'm going to tell you why I believe now that they can. And it's because the last two years, uh, if you look at how we pick our players, it's normally based on people we bring in to meetings, to camps, to, you know, visits. And we've had a lot, a lot of day one, day two safeties the last couple of years. They just haven't pulled the trigger, but it tells you that they're looking that way. So it gives you that trend. And then you add in Dan Quinn, who if you looked at the, the, only, um, the only safeties we brought in, in in free agency have been guys that uh, special teamers or ha-ha Clinton Dix who didn't even make it out of camp. So I, I think they brought in Casey. They brought in Neil. You know, I think they've done enough to show that. that and they even brought in a curse, a good special team safety uh, that, that could start if need be, started enough games. So – it shows that they've kind of changed their mind on how they value the position. And I think a cover guy like that drops to you. I, I think you take him. I'd agree with you, Mike. And well, let's move on to the Dan's fourth pick, Mr. James Hudson, offensive tackle out of Cincinnati. Dan, talk to us a little bit about him. Man, look, I have James Hudson as one of my five top offensive tackles in this draft. I, I, I mean, I think he's getting slept on a little bit and it's, I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. Like I'm yep. okay with him being, being slept on a little bit. I mean, this guy, he's, he's a little top heavy, right? So I, I, he's going to need some work on balance and recovery. Right. I, I get it. Um, but man, his foot quickness, his reach, his, his punch, good Lord, his punch. Um, pass protection, just, the guy gives you everything you're going to want. And I think grabbing somebody like him in the fourth round that may need some technical work, you are going to say to yourself, man, if Smith or Collins aren't here, I'm okay. Right. Even if you have another issue next year, even in year one with him, where you you've lost, three of your your guys like you can put Hudson in and be like I'm going to be okay um but yeah you know he has really good arm length um I think if you absolutely needed him to he could probably get into um guard I, I probably wouldn't put him there personally because of his footwork and the way he his punches but man I, I really like James Hudson I think he's going to be a fantastic uh tackle in the next in the NFL um but yeah I, I when I saw him sitting there I was like absolutely let's just pull the trigger and Mike what are your thoughts on that pick as a tackle he's my sixth rated so we both have him rated more than most um I'd this is exactly how I want Dallas to attack the offensive tackle um I don't need a top 50 pick on one uh if if something happens to Tyron and you got to throw a rookie in the whole year, you're going to have trouble no matter who it is. Even if it's a, a one of your your top guys, you're going to have 
if it's not a Suell or Slater, any of the guys under that, you're going to have your growing pains. So instead of doing that, why not wait and grab a James Hudson who is going to develop into a monster left tackle. He's going to be a starter for a decade. I, I, he's one of the guys that I do not doubt that he won't be a bust. I think he will be a, a starter for you for a very long time. And now if Tyron plays three years, you're fine because he can come in. He can play the couple games that, that Tyron misses. If you need to save some money and cut Tyron, you can do it because he'll be able to come in in the next year or two and, and be the starter for the, for the next decade, so you're good there. This is how I want Dallas to attack offensive tackle. Don't go, don't go with a top 50 pick, you know, spin that on either a, a uh, you know, a generational player, Suell Pitts type like that, or build up your defense. And uh, he's built up the defense so well that now you slide in the offensive tackle right in the right spot. I, I like it a lot. It's a good move. Yeah, and let's not forget Hudson can play right tackle too, right? So we don't know what's going on with Collins and, you know, his weight and his hip issue and all of that. So, you know, Hudson has played and can play both positions, right? So, so what you've done is next year when, you know, your your free agent is gone, you, you at the very least have a swing tackle that's probably the best swing tackle or could be the best swing tackle in the league. But in reality – He's just waiting for Collins or Smith, right? Like yep. it doesn't matter. It, he is going to give you 10 years. Um, so yeah, I think his also ability to play both gives you that ability to say, Hey, at the very least we have an elite swing tackle at the very best. We have a really, really good left or right tackle for years to come. Yeah, I mean, when you get a uh, – sounds like when you can get a player like that at the spot you did, I imagine that's going to be a good value. But do you, do you feel like you drafted the best player there or did you draft for need? Uh, so a little bit of both. Um, I mean, he was right there. Like he was probably – I think he was one of the top two or three guys. So, I mean, I could say best player available. I really am high on him. So, for me, it would have been best player available. There were other – but he fills a need, right? So the other name there was Deontay Smith, the offensive tackle is East Carolina. I like Hudson better. So Me too. that wasn't a huge issue. Um, the only other names there that I could have maybe pulled the trigger was Jalen Twyman, um, Hunter Long, and then I had Cisco and Hamsa uh, sitting there at safeties, but I had just addressed safety. So I felt, you know, Hudson was one of the top two, three guys, fit a need. It was an easy pick. Mike, of the players Dan listed, who, who would you have drafted? Hudson's easy. The only, the only question about this pick is will Hudson drop that far, really? Because that's an easy one. I really like Hunter Long. I think he could replace Schultz in a year and, and be really solid. But we're talking about, uh, you know, a guy that's 10-year left tackle. Like, he's just going to be really, really good. And I, I find that easy. The, the, the only real question is, is it realistic? Will he get there? That I question. If he's there, you know, we never thought C.D. Lamb was going to happen. So to say, oh, this is going to happen, that is going to happen, you know, unless it's something like Trevor Lawrence dropping to 10, like you talked about, where you're like, come on, then, then you go with what the board says. If he's there, you grab it. Well, we know that uh, Dallas has an affinity with uh, offensive linemen. 
I think it's safe to say uh, both Dan and Mike that Dallas would realistically draft draft Hudson if he were to fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm just it, yes. It, let's just yes. Mike Easily. and I assume you agree, right? Oh yeah, definitely. This is a no brainer pick. Absolutely. Well, moving on to uh, Dan's fifth pick, and this is a guy that I know Mike's a big fan of, uh, Mr. Aleem McNeil, interior defensive lineman out of North Carolina State. Dan, talk to us a little bit about him. So, you know, I I had earlier, you know, I had gotten Levi, and and while I love what Levi provides, the question still to me was, was, is, is he going to be able to be that one technique that I really need to push pocket? especially early on, right? Or is he more of that guy who I can move across the line, create mismatches? Well, I went back and said, oh, McNeil's available. Well, guess what? I'm going to get McNeil. And now that frees me up to move Levi around in different ways and not feel like I, I haven't addressed the true one technique that I needed. So I saw him come across. I really like McNeil as a traditional one technique kind of almost like nose tackle type guy where, you know, he just gets low, gets that anchor to go in and, you know, good luck moving him, right? Like that, that's the kind of guy that you're looking at. He can offer some in the pass rush, right? He can, he can kind of collapse the pocket a little bit. He has great strength. Um, his hand usage is really strong. Um, I think he needs more in counters. That's just my, my take, like his hand counters and whatnot but he gives you a good anchor. He gives you a good punch. Um, and he, he definitely can fill a gap that you need to fill, uh, which also should help the linebackers. And Mike, you know, uh, I mentioned that you're a fan of McNeil, but share your thoughts on that pick. Man, can you imagine Levi owns Enrique and Aleem McNeil as your three technique with Gallimore? Like, I will. I, Tristan Hill, in my mind, when you make these two picks, he's just a a guy that's going to be on your team a couple of years that is is trying to make a roster spot because that those three rotating in there is just so nasty that it's kind of the same thing with Levi. Like they win a lot on just how big and crazy athletic they are. So. Like, they're freaks. Like, you shouldn't be that big and that athletic. Both of them kind of need to be taught how to play. Like, they beat people up on the fact that you could have a great NFL guard now and Ali McNeil's just going to be too strong and fast and will beat him a couple times just on that fact. Let alone, as Dan said, he really doesn't have much of a, much of a first move, let alone a, a second or a third that he could be taught. Same with Levi Onzerike. He just such freaky length and strength and, and ability to be that agile at that speed. It's like unfair. So then you, if you get any kind of defensive coach that could teach either of them, hey, you know that stuff you have? Well, imagine if you do this with it. It just it, – it would make Tank better. It would make Jalen better. It would make everyone better. Their front seven would just become – a disgusting front seven if they were able to to pull that off those two dts it would be insane well dan you know we'd like to think that uh this would be uh at this at this value this would be a, a hell of a value for a player like mcneil but is this a uh, best player available or is this another need pick so again he he's kind of one of 
and look, when we say best player available, like how I rate them, how Mike might rate them, you know, let's be honest. There's guys that just kind of sit there and you're like, yeah, but right. Like you're close enough. We'll just go with that. Right. Um, so yeah, he is definitely probably the best player available at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were, there were definitely some names that you could consider, um, you know, you, you had a, an Atwell, a receiver, you had a Trey Brown, a cornerback sitting there. Uh, you had Trey Sermon, the running back sitting there. Um, you know, so there were some names within there, right? You had Jamie Newman, a, a backup quarterback potentially that was sitting there. Um, but man, for, for what was sitting there, I had him as one of the top two guys. It was a no brainer. Absolutely. Well, Dan, I'm curious looking at McNeil, there was a couple of other players that I, I personally found interesting. I'm curious what, why McNeil over a player like Dylan Moses, linebacker out of Alabama, or Israel uh, Makua Moo, cornerback out of South Carolina? Yeah, so, oh, man, that's that's actually a really good question. So there, there is a linebacker in that range that I really like. Um, I like Charles Snowden. Um, so that is also a possibility. I like to throw his name out there because I don't think he's getting enough. But I think, I think the Cowboys believe in their linebacker, right? Like I, I truly believe they believe in it. Um, and I think you know we're we're hearing this KJ Wright talk, so kind of also figured that they were looking potentially at that. Um, while I think linebacker is absolutely a potential pick somewhere in this range, um, I just think the value of McNeil was there for what they need. Um, now. Going back to corner, I think to, to Israel, I, I like Israel. Um, I, I think he's going to be a very solid cornerback in this league. Uh, the question I have with him is that, you know, how much real slot is he going to be? Or is he going to be more of an outside guy? You know, I went Sir Kane. So do I need a guy like that? Or do I need more of a guy who specializes in slot? but I like Israel, right? I, I just think uh, for value and what the Cowboys need and what they believe in, McNeil kind of fits that role. You know, just to talk a little bit more about Israel, Dan, um, you know, reading, when you read his profile, it sounds like you mentioned he could play slot corner. He could also maybe do a little bit of box safety and even uh, sounded like some, also some money linebacker that, that when you read that profile, that sounds like somebody that Dan Quinn might really might really um, like to add to his system, right? No, for sure. Um, you know, the, the question I had as I looked at this was, who's going to give me more day one, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think McNeil gives you more day one. Israel is definitely a guy I've watched, and I, I'm like, man, I, I can do so much with that guy. But if, I are, if I'm the Cowboys and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I have Sir Kane. I, I grabbed him. I have digs on the outside. I really believe in Jordan Lewis, whether I believe in him or not, the Cowboys absolutely believe in Jordan Lewis and they believe in Anthony Brown. Or where does that leave, leave Israel in their mind as being like, what is he then? What does he become, right? Um, is he a gadget guy? Is he a guy that they're going to try to, to roll over to linebacker is he a guy that they're like he's kind of depth across the board 
Um, so I really like Israel. I just don't know if they've already gone to the well at corner and safety. Now you've kind of put a position of like, where does he really truly fit with mm -hmm. what, I, what I as a front office believe in? I hear you. That makes sense. Well, you know, Mike, I don't want to uh, speak for you, but I have a feeling I know who of the three players mentioned who you're going to take, but let the audience know. All right. I'll, I'm going to be uh, nice and judicial here. I love Dylan Moses in that spot. I don't know if he fits with Quinn. He's not as much of a cover guy, but I think he's dropped a lot due to how he played with an injury. And um, I think he he's a lot better than he's being projected right now. So if, if he was there and Dallas got him in this spot, I would be uh, more than happy with it. Um, you know, yes, he needs to work on his coverage, but man, he can blitz, man, he can fill a hole and tackle. He is explosive to the ball when he's not injured. I'd love him there. Israel as well. I'm not even going to try to butcher his last name because he can move around everywhere. If there's an injury outside, he's 6'3", I think. He can play there. He's big enough to play safety. I'd love him as a big nickel. Um, Keanu Neal type role, uh, even though he might be a little undersized for that still. A slot, he played a little bit of that. I wouldn't want him in it a lot, but but you could use him. And in this spot, he another one, that would be a good pick. Aleem McNeil is a miracle there. Aleem McNeil is is a better value there than CeeDee Lamb last year. Aleem McNeil at what pick were we at there? Uh, I believe that was our second comp pick in the fourth round, so – one uh, was yeah, that 115? 115, yes. 115 for a late. You just got a Lee McNeil out of the top 100. That's what that would be one of the best steals. Oh, oh man, what a pick that would be! It's easily a Lee McNeil, and Dan's honestly being nice. A Lee McNeil's by a million times a better player than every one of those people he named and the two that you named who I would like a lot of them in that spot mm -hmm. and more of them are more realistic in that spot, but we're playing the game, how it's been given a Lee McNeil is there. You take him. It's not even close. A Lee McNeil at 44 wouldn't really be a reach. It would be like a, yeah, okay. That works at 44. Nobody's going to yell. At 75, you feel like you got a steal. At 75, you're like, all right, Ali McNeil, maybe a to uh, Togiai. Togiai, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe one of them at, could slip to you at 75. At 99, you're like, they're gone, and you're hoping Marvin Wilson hits, and you can draft him. So getting him where he did, Ali McNeil is the easy pick. I, I Man, <laughs> I would just float happy around for about a day. <laughs> well, Dan, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I know that you aren't in control of the rankings over there at the Draft Network, but the, is there a scenario where you could see McNeil, you know, falling that far? You know, there is. And, and it's not because of Aline McNeil, right? So, so that's one of the things with the draft. It's why people fall sometimes. It, there's a little bit of human nature involved. There's a little bit of other things involved. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, is as there's runs on certain positions, right? So, so if you're looking at a draft, 
you know, there might be a run on cornerbacks, right? So, so if a team may go, you know what? I may not get Trey Brown, right? Let's say I'm targeting Trey Brown. I may not get Trey Brown on the next round because there's a run on cornerbacks. So I'm going to grab this cornerback, hoping that it creates enough other people to fall that I can kind of play the game, right? So mm-hmm. there's a piece of that. So, so could he fall? Um, you know, 99, I believe, is, is kind of realistic for Aleem, um, honestly, because, you know, he is a one technique that, you know, needs needs more in the pass rush. So he, he's kind of a two-down player right off the bat. Um, you know, and, and some teams kind of want guys that can play all three downs. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if he falls this far, um, but is it realistic? We've seen crazy. Um, you know, and, and as teams start getting scared that, you know, hey, Cameron Sample isn't going to be there or Darius Washington isn't going to be there because there's been a run on safety or there's going to be a run on, you know, edge or there. Yeah, it, it's possible, right? Mm-hmm. And way teams value certain positions. Um, so is it is it likely at 115? I, I don't know. But if he's there, I'm grabbing. And you know, is, is this a guy that would fit the Dallas – Dallas Cowboys bold. Is this somebody that Dallas would draft, you think? I do. Um, I, I think for – okay, so there's a difference there, right? Do I think previously with the front office, the way they view the position, is it somebody they would have drafted? I don't know. But we're talking about a new defensive coordinator who I believe would say, yes, we need this guy, right? Mm-hmm. So so would Dallas, is it somebody Dallas would draft? I think now it is. I don't know if you had asked me that question one, two, three years ago. I would have said yes. Mike, what about you? Uh, in that position, yes. Now, Will McClay's never drafted a one technique, ever. It has never happened. That being said, in the old regime, this is the type of one technique they would want. They always, the reason they took Poe last year over Snacks and all the other big guys they could is because at one point Poe added a little bit of pass rush. And um, like we talked about before the show, uh, Dan and I, and you kind of listened, is the, the team, um, like they, they get guys hoping that they'll be what they were when they were young and really good. Mm-hmm. And Poe, when he was young and really good, could hold up versus the run and rush the pass a little. So they like their one techniques to have a little pass rush, and Aline McNeil brings that. But this year, they kind of shocked me. I've said on this podcast a million times, just give me a one technique that doesn't even know what pass rush means. Uh, he, When you say pass rush, he goes, huh, I don't know. Uh, what's an over-under? I don't know. I want that guy. That All he does is eat double teams. And they went out and got one. They got Brent Urban. Has no pass rush ability at all. Cannot do it. Does not know what he's doing. But he... He can go up against, they talked about it on Dan's podcast. He can go up against Quentin Nelson and uh, uh, the center whose name I'm blanking on, but was like a second round picks really good for the Colts and they could double team him and he doesn't move. Mm-hmm. So the, it, seeing that, that new adjustment to, Hey, we need to get one of these guys makes me believe that if a guy like Lee McNeil somehow fell to even 99, like, like Dan said, that's, I think, the sweet spot for DT. I think whether it's Tui Lopu, Tui Loputuo, what is his name? Tui Marlin. 
Whether it's Marlon, uh, uh, Wilson, uh, Ali McNeil, Togiai, uh, uh, one of the the other UFC guy, Jay Tufalei, um, one of those guys should land a 99, and I believe that's the sweet spot where they would consider picking one. And if Ali McNeil's there, I do think they'd get him. If he's anywhere past that, they'd run to the podium. Well, Dan, I, you know, I know I like quite a few players uh, on your mock draft here, and I'd like to think that this might be Mike's favorite part of the uh, episode. And now we get to see Mike uh, critique your your mock draft. And first, but Mike, I'll ask you, what what grade are you going to give Dan on his mock draft? Well, you know, I I've tried to be tough. I I upgraded uh, uh, Kev's first one to a B. Uh, I believe I had a B for, uh, for Elton too. This one, how is it not an A minimum an A uh, can it an A plus like, what do you want out of a draft? Okay. Need a starting outside corner. Got your guy cover three robot. You bring in uh, uh, Levi uh, owns who at the time I'm thinking, Eh, I don't know who else is available. Then I hear who's available and I'm like, no, I mean, you got to go with him. He fell right into your lap. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The offensive tackle he grabs is, is perfectly what this team needs at offensive tackle. And then you get it. You get a guy like Ali McNeil too, just like thrown in on, on, on top of it. And then a safety who covers everything. Got to Got to get him to tackle. But we need some coverage in the back end. And, and man, it just a – if they could – I would take it right now. Like, if you said take this draft now or take the box draft where you don't know what's going to happen where Kyle Pitts could fall to you, they go, they go there's a 75% chance Kyle Pitts falls and you could take that draft with a chance to get Kyle Pitts or this one, just give me this one. Uh, I, this is a nailed – draft so yeah it's an it you could just straight give it an a plus honestly well you know mike i think it's safe to say that we feel needs but are there any positions that you think still need to be addressed uh well probably linebacker but the thing about linebacker is we only did the first five picks and a lot of linebacker if he gets a linebacker at 139 or or what 160 whatever and he's able to hit, then then great. If you bring in KJ Wright, great. You know, mm-hmm. if uh, Bernard or um, who's new number now, I don't know if you guys noticed that Francis Bernard got a new number, a more linebacker number too, which is awesome. Um, or um, Gifford is able to, you know, come up and fill a hole left by Sean Lee or an injured LBE when he goes out. Linebackers easier to fill. So yeah, they need some linebackers going into 2022 probably. But other than that, maybe an edge, but I want to see him play a nine. So I don't even mind that. So no, I, I, I don't have an issue with it at all, honestly. So, so Paul, can, can, can I just real quick run through the rest of the names on this draft to just to kind of give Mike a little context for what he's asking? Yeah, of course. Okay, so 138, we went Patrick Jones, the second, the edge out of Pittsburgh. Love it. 179, Simi Fahoko, uh, the wide receiver out of Sanford. Stanford. That's a sneaky pick. Uh, 192, Diamador Lenore, the cornerback out of Oregon. Your slot guy. Yep. 227, Jalen Darden out of University of North Texas, my alma mater. 
dream you can get him. And 238, Taryn Jackson, the edge out of Coastal Carolina. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Damn, you had some good guys falling. I'm, I'm very high on Patrick Jones now. His numbers at his pro day lessened him a little bit. But there was a time watching Patrick Jones tape that I thought, man, development-wise, he could end up being a top-five edge. So mm-hmm. I love the risk on him there. I, I just like his tape. I know his measurables aren't as great, you know, coming out of the combine, but I love his tape. And and you got a couple of receivers in there, too, that's nice because going forward, Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup all may not be back in a year. So we need to get ahead of the curve a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Got the got the sneaky slot corner that can sometimes play you outside if you need him to. You know, I I did miss out on a linebacker. I'm hoping that, you know, if that's the case, that Wright or somebody who's released after the draft is kind of that that backfill. Somebody steps in, you know, to your point, like a Bernard or somebody. But I, you know, I if you look at the way I went with that rest of that draft, there was a lot of best player available that also sneaky felt needs, and some of them were some kind of sleeper guys. So, yeah, you know, to your point, you know, what the Cowboys need, and you, you mentioned Ed, which is why I wanted to read the rest of the names off, because I added a Patrick Jones and a Taron Jackson later. Um, Taron Jackson, too, is a is sneaky, a nigh, and Rondell Carter, where you get him, you go in going, man, if these guys can get some snaps and develop, that kid is really good from Coastal Carolina. Well, Dan, we sure do appreciate you coming on. And before we get you out of here, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the work that you do, maybe uh, writing and or podcasting? Yeah. So, oh, man, uh, <laughs> I, I do quite a bit. Uh, so you guys can catch me on I'm on fan side at Sport DFW. Uh, I do a lot of draft work over there. In fact, uh, not this week, but next week is my penultimate uh, mock draft. So I will be covering that. Um, you can find me, of course, on Twitter, as we said earlier, at um, Dan underscore Rupert, R-U-P-T-E-R-T. Uh, my podcast is 4D Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast 4D um, with uh, at the J-A Massey, M-A-S-S-E-Y is my co-host over there. Uh, and I've also done work over at Buckeyes Wire on USA Today. Um, currently not there right now. Uh, I took some time off. So I had some other commitments and other life things going on. So I've taken a little bit of time off. Might step back in during the football season. Uh, but yeah, I've done quite a bit. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a, a full plate there, Dan. And I will say this, I'm a little... Uh... I'm a little mad at you and Jay because I've added 4D to my regular podcast rotation and I didn't get a new episode this week. So you guys owe me one. It's coming. So um, for those who don't know, I had elbow surgery last week, uh, not this last Thursday prior. And I was laid up uh, because of my surgery. And so lots of medication, lots of recovery. So it is coming. Uh, We actually recorded an episode yesterday. So you guys can expect that tomorrow. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Dan. And again, I sure do appreciate you coming on and we're going to get you out of here. But before we do, remind everybody where we can find you out on Twitter. It is Dan underscore Rupert, R-U-P-P-E-R-T. And, you know, hey, guys, if you're out there and you love to talk about football and even if you're not a Cowboys fan, but you're listening, absolutely shoot some questions over. Let's have a conversation. I'm more than happy to talk anything. 
And Mike, remind everybody where they can find you out on Twitter. Hey, just I'm at CD Piglet, guys. Just real quick, I want to say I, I learned something from Triple D, Guy Fieri. Anytime he was eating something, he always says one of the best, one of the best things I've ever had. One of the best things because you never want to pin yourself down on something, especially you have other guests uh, on that have podcasts and stuff. So I'm going to word this very nicely. And I think you guys can get where I'm going. That 4D podcast is one of the best Dallas podcasts you can get. And it's three episodes in. They're only going to get better. So get on it now and watch the second episode because I'm on it. So it's the best one. Okay. <laughs> Mike Humble, as always. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mike, did you did you repeat your Twitter handle? I'm sorry about that. Ask Piglet, guys. And guys, I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. We appreciate you joining us. Happy Easter, and we will see you guys next week.